It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our player review series with a look at OG and Anobi, who suffered a lot of injury this year, didn't quite live up to the breakout potential that he was billed as having coming into the season, but all told, pretty damn good year for OG and Anobi. We're going to dig into why he's so good, why he's so valuable to the Raptors, the stuff that might need some work going into next year. Should he maybe occupy a different role than he was asked to occupy this season? We'll get into all that and more. Plus, we got the stat of the year, the the play of the year and the outlook for 2022-23 for OG with special guest Katie Heindel. That's all coming up on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1175 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, May the 10th. I only know the date because it's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Papa Sean. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley <laughs> of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast, and all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On the House. And you can go to YouTube and find the show for free there, too. Just over, go ahead and subscribe and join the nearly 2,000 people who have taken the plunge to look at my face every single day. Day. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. More on them a little bit later on in your first listen of the day. All right, let's get to it. We're talking OG Ananobi as we continue our player review series of shows here. And joining me to dig into OG, uh, the person who selected OG as the subject of today's podcast, it is Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy birthday uh, to your dad, first of all. Hope he says in- thank you. He'll never, ever, he might listen to the podcast. He, he won't me know he it. listens to the show sometimes. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah. He so, won't ever find like a, like an online, like, it's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Like, he doesn't have Instagram or anything like that. That's so, good. this might be the only way I can get him a happy birthday through the internet. I'll call him later. But, yeah, you know, yeah, but- <laughs> you, as you should, as you should. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm good. As I told you before we started recording, um, some, some pipes being dug out of uh, the basement. 
Uh, mm-hmm. the house that my apartment's in and, and I had to adjust this morning you know I had to go to the Y bring all my shampoos and stuff uh, to like <laughs> get ready there post swim and I bring mm-hmm. that up because I feel like it's very in tune with OG Ananobi again a season of adjustments for this man a season of constantly having his pipe work dug out of the basement and Basically. having to relocate <laughs> to the sidelines for a little bit while that's going on very good lead in to the the bigger conversation about OG on today's show, Katie. And I'm excited to dig in because I think OG sort of so far we've talked about Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, and Pascal Siakam in these reviews. All guys who were pretty much good all the way through with very little in terms of negative stuff to dig into. And I don't necessarily know if there's negative stuff to really dive into with OG Ananobi. I'm excited to talk about it in the middle part of the show, but he's an interesting guy because he's one of the few players on the team, if any, that didn't really super exceed expectations I I guess before the season Um, you know he was billed as this potential all-star a big breakout candidate most improved type guy and it never really happened for him and the injuries I think are a big reason for that but also the construction of the team is such that there's a lot of competition for touches and, and and you know lots of mouths to feed as it were and so he kind of in moments got a little bit buried and a little bit sort of cast to the side where he was just happening to do extremely helpful things to win Winning basketball, even in that spot. So I guess let's begin with the good stuff here, Katie. Um, what's your sort of biggest positive takeaway from a sort of abbreviated, incomplete season for OG Ananobi, during which he did average, what was it, 17.1 points a game, 5.5 boards, 2.6 assists, shot 44% from the field, 36% from three, 51% on twos. Biggest takeaway on the positive side of things for from you for OG yeah. this season, Katie. So this was the season I think he played his second lowest amount of games in his career. He played about 48 games, I believe. And uh, yeah. as you said, his his points per game went up to 17 from last year. It was 15. So to me, I take the smaller sample size and the, the higher production. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taking also more shots per game. Yeah. But that, I think... Uh, is a very heartening takeaway given the the shorter runway that he had in general. Um, I think I'm I'm not just going to pick one because I feel like you can't, you're kind of doing a disservice because again, he had such a smaller sample size compared to his peers who I think really did excel Mm -hmm. uh, that you've mentioned already in the season. Scotty, Pascal, I don't know if you mentioned Fred, but like, you know, those kind of core guys. Uh, I think his, I think he had, his rebounding also went up a little bit. Pretty much stayed even with okay. last season and the season before. Like his per 36 numbers, mm-hmm. basically identical from the Tampa season and this season. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Generally, uh, so I would say where he was more, I think like where he was more of an impactful player, uh, mm-hmm. because you can't deny the fact that, yeah, like that shooting certainly was impactful in the games where it, it came out. But I think on the defensive end of the floor is where I was sort of the most intrigued by OG because you're really seeing him come into, I think, his size and his strength in mm-hmm. a more calculated way than he has in the past. Like OG Ananobi's always been the kind of player who is very stealthy and fun to watch because he can just like pop up. You know, he's like in the past, like popped up and like scared the hell out of LeBron James, Anthony <laughs> Davis, like poked the ball away, you know, like he, he's always done that kind of stuff. But when yeah. you watch him this season, like, you know, in a couple of games, he like, he backed down 
Bam Adebayo, you back down Jimmy Butler. Like he's going up against really big guys in the paint um, and either just like outright shutting them down or backing them off, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what I also liked to see was a bit of his defensive. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think what the right word is for this. Probably distribution or just like letting guys know like precious, especially like precious Achua and Scotty Barnes who are, who are new to the Raptors, like defensive uh, schemes on that end. Well, yeah. everything, but like certainly to get the kind of nuances of defense, you can watch OG on the floor, let them know where it is they should be. Yeah. Um, you know, Fred does that too, but I was really impressed to see the way that OG kind of took that upon himself as just this sort of quiet, quiet leadership on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he's becoming, he, he was always this type of player who wasn't necessarily, didn't necessarily seem aware of his size and his strength and i think in that way it can be a little bit deceiving because even when you're watching him in seasons past i myself have been like oh right yeah og is huge and he's incredibly strong (laughs) he's stronger Um, than everybody yeah yeah, but he's a little bit he can be a little bit demure almost uh of a a player like especially on the defensive end but you're kind of seeing that fall away this season uh, and i really like watching it again like he's not he's not like a, a rudy gobert type you know or like that kind of defensive player. I'd say he's not even like a Marcus Smart type, like in your yeah. face kind of defensive player, but I actually enjoy a lot more the sort of stealthy kind of sneaky defense that OG and Anobi plays. So I'd say overall, like that was probably the best takeaway because the Raptors also need that. Like when you look at where yeah. they ranked this season, they weren't like defense wasn't necessarily always their strong suit. And this is a yeah. team that OG, when OG came up in the team, that was the calling card. It wavered mm-hmm. in Tampa, certainly. And I think it was getting back on track a little bit this season, certainly not where it was in the past. So it's nice to see him kind of be in the arbiter, perhaps of bringing that back or bringing back like a new a new brand of what Raptors defense is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, he fits the whole scheme that they're going for more or less like a glove. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can guard literally one through five like there are not that many guys that you can go and say oh he can guard a center he can also got a point guard and everybody in between but og is unequivocally one of those guys he's been their best option against for example nikola Jokic in the past and really given him trouble he's been their best option on slippery guards who we're actually going to get to in my uh play of the year for og like he, he's just he's everywhere on that end and i think you know look it's a bummer they didn't get the full 82 games of him playing within the scheme alongside the rest of the guys, especially down the stretch when he missed a ton of time as the defense kind of coalesced. And I think Mm -hmm. they were, you know, kind of top six range after January 1st. I mean, he missed a ton of time in there and it just, it made it tricky to kind of always sort of figure, all right, where does he kind of slot into the hierarchy of the team and all that? For me, my big takeaway is that we kind of learned this season that OG doesn't necessarily have to be the sort of next Kawhi Leonard that some people have unfairly projected him to be. That was always an unfair comparison because Kawhi Leonard is like a singular force of nature and it's very hard to replicate that. But we did learn that OG is like a perfect, perfect complementary glue guy role player on a really good team. And I think we're seeing right now in the postseason with, uh, you know, the guy who I always kind of draw comparisons to is Mikal Bridges. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of closest comparison I can see to OG in the NBA. And 
great teams need Mikhail Bridges's, right? Like no great team is winning without that kind of player. Not everybody can have a whole roster of 25% usage guys. That's not how math works. Someone's got to take a hit in terms of the overall usage and role in the offense. And I think OG to me with the way that he's a knockdown shooter, the way he's a great off ball player who can cut and you know, you can run stuff for him through the post as like a secondary creation type guy. Maybe you don't want him running a bazillion pick and rolls a game, but like they have other guys who can go and do that. And he gets to occupy and sort of fill in the gaps while also being probably sort of pound for pound their best defender when all things are equal. So yeah, for me, I think this season kind of crystallized in my head like, okay, OG is not going to be the 1A offensive option for this team. And maybe he get, he still has some growth within him. He's only 24 years old. But like he, to me, figures to be the exact type of player that you need to have on your team if you plan on winning anything significant at all. And mm-hmm. for me, like the closest comparison I can see is... 2018-19 Pascal Siakam, where he per- he fit in perfectly working off of Kyle and Kawhi. He was just wonderful filling in those gaps, leveraging all the gravity of the other guys into great looks for himself because of his ability to find the, the right spot to cut into or obviously knock down threes. And I think that's kind of OG's lot in life with this Raptors team as the opportunistic guy who averages 17 a game. There's that's like not like that's pretty damn good, right? Like it's hard to do. And I, I think like there's only room for you know a little bit more efficiency to creep back into his game he's obviously been such an efficient player his whole career until this season Mm -hmm. and i think maybe that's because he was asked to do some stuff that maybe he just doesn't quite have the bag for and that's fine not everybody needs to have the endless bag of tools to go and score 28 a game it's not exactly a long list of guys who have that so there's no shame in not being there and i think og is like very clearly a piece that you need to have if you have intentions of winning at the highest level um Katie, we're going to continue on and we're going to dig into some of the stuff that does need some work. Obviously, this wasn't a perfect season for OG. The efficiency went down and we'll get into just the conversation of, you know, whether this was a disappointing season at all compared to preseason expectations and what might need some work going into 2022-23. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. It is the award-winning app that has made daily fantasy easy. It's super easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks is safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and you're not competing against some shadow expert in the background. You're just competing against the projections the way it should be. You can uh, pick any prop that you want from points scored, rebounds, even steals, and you can do mixed sport entries as well. So say you are uh, watching some hockey tonight, and you want to put some money down on a goal being scored by X player in addition to some money being down on a player in the Sun. Mavs game or whatever it might be, you can mix those entries and it's a ton of fun to do so. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. Get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available only to locked on fans. Sign up today, use the promo code NBA for 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, that's a great deal. Go to prizepicks.com. They are daily fantasy made easy. And just a disclaimer, they are not available in Canada. So this is for our American listeners in valid states only. Go and check all of the uh, terms and conditions at PrizePix to figure out if you can play in your area. 
Uh, today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Athletic Greens and their wonderful AG1 formula. I started using Athletic Greens because they sent some to me when they joined the network. And I was like, all right, another little like supplement to get me through the day, whatever. Uh, it's amazing. I take it every single day. I mix it into some water. I mix it into a smoothie. It doesn't really matter. It tastes fine either way. Uh, and I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It, you know, it's got kind of like a bubblegum flavor to it almost. I think everyone kind of has a different feel for it. But either way, it tastes fantastic. And it also is fantastic for your body because you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things that matter and that are difficult to get all of the nutrients that you need over the course of a regular day of eating, especially if you're like me and you eat like a goblin for most of the week. Uh, so AG1, just a wonderful way to ensure that you're getting the good stuff into you from the start of the day. Athletic Greens is also a climate neutral certified company. In 2020, AG produced carbon purchase carbon credits, that is, to support projects protecting old growth rainforests, which is very important. And for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping kids get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry in the United States. In 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. They are a company you can feel good about, and also they're going to make you feel good too. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I use it. You should use it too. All right, we continue on with your first listen of the day here, digging into the dark underbelly of OG season. Look, it's hard to say that there was like an obvious bad trait of OG's season with the Raptors this year. Um, you know, he, he was very good when he was on the floor, and the stat of the year I'm going to get to in the next segment illustrates that. But, Katie, for you, is there one sort of area that you think really needs work when it comes to OG? Is there a thing that kind of left you wanting more from his season in Toronto? Yeah, I wanted him to have more of a season, like every other yeah. season before this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my crit my critique is is not on OG. My critique yeah. is on the fact that once again he had a disrupted season. He still yeah. has never had a season in his NBA career that has been full, or you know, like something hasn't happened usually to him. Right. So yeah. I think um, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to level as much as it's is to level like. Uh, like to talk about the improvements. Yeah. It's also very difficult to kind of level criticism at him uh, in mm -hmm. the time that he did have, because I also think there was such, there were so many adjustments of the roster this season, you know, as made necessary by whether guys were out with COVID, whether guys were out with injury, um, you know, personnel kind of turning over that, I think when OG came back, a lot of the time it looked like he was figuring out where he fit in again in the rotation. Um, yeah. And he's like an incredibly smart, uh, like astute basketball player. So it didn't take him long to adjust, but it still does take time to adjust. You're just not seeing, you're, you're just not seeing like him have these kind of um, expansive periods um, mm -hmm. of, of like the same kind of experience like explosive, I guess, expansive periods that mm -hmm. we've seen out of Pascal Siakam, even Fred Van Vliet to a degree, and like certainly Scotty Barnes this season sort yeah. of overshadowed a lot of it. So I would like to see um I would like to see him get a full season 
of NBA basketball, because then I think you'd better, you'd be able to better um, look at what he actually needs to improve and what's not just, you know, kind of a, a deficit of like the time that he does have, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting thing with OG because, like, I don't like blame players for uh, having injuries. Uh, <laughs> I know some do people, people do that. I know some people like to sort of, and I guess this is sort of the question, right? Is you know, <laughs> it's the like the it's the elephant in the room, right? Like he's been mm-hmm. hurt a lot. He's missed a lot of time. A lot of it's been freak stuff, like appendicitis at the start of the playoffs, and you know, weird getting poked in the eye and whatnot. But you know, there's been some other stuff, hamstrings, calves, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go back and look at his career, he's played 74 games in his rookie season. That's his career high: 67, then 69, then 43 in the Tampa season out of what the 72 games they played. So he missed 29, mm-hmm. then he missed 34 games this year. At at what point do you think, if you're the front office? the sort of injury track record comes into, you know, your evaluation of OG and sort of his fit, fit within the team, like if at all, like it, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's just a uh, man, some freak shits happened a little for the last few years here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully things turn around. Like, but do you think that has to be weighed at all? If you're the front office looking at a guy who has been injured a lot, I mean, this is not the only case in the league where a guy who has some injury tendencies and just, you know, tends to break down a little bit easier than other guys, which again is no fault really of any player. It's just biology, man. But like, do you think it should seep it all into the decision-making as the team evaluates the path forward here? And like, do you have to account for the fact that OG just might miss some games when you're building the roster? I'm sure you have to account for it if you're a front office, but if you're a front office and you're an intelligent front office, you're also kind of equating everything I mentioned previously into those decisions. Yeah. Um, I'd say a lot of like a lot of the injuries OGs had, even the ones that as you're mentioning, like, yeah, the calves, the hamstring stuff, um, it's come at like very freak times. I mean, yeah. to a degree, all soft tissue injuries are going to just be like freakish injuries. Like you can't condition, you can condition guys up to a certain degree, like as best as you can, but those things are just going to happen. Um, but I'd say like the majority of what he's been out with and out with for the longest has been stuff that's like completely out of his control. So yeah. I think if you're the front office in Toronto, and I do think the, the Raptors front office feels this way because OG's name has come up not from the Raptors front office, but in other trade rumors and trade talks yeah. quite a bit. And they've not really entertained it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is a pretty clear indicator that they also feel that they haven't really seen the best of OG and they know what that best can look like. Cause they're seeing him way more than we are. Right. Yeah. Like they're seeing him in workouts, they're seeing him in practices, they're seeing him, they're hearing what he's working on with his trainers during the season and during the off season as well. So, um, I find that kind of talk to be a little bit disingenuous, frankly. And I don't think, um, as you mentioned, it's like a lot of this stuff is kind of freakish and, and flukish and mm-hmm. you can, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just quite gross, I guess. And I, I yeah. didn't even think that people <laughs> could get mad uh, at, at people for being injured. It's like the I mean- dumbest thing I've ever Heard. yeah it's ridiculous but like you see it with like anthony davis and stuff too right it's like well he can't stay healthy is he even good and it's like well these are two different questions you're asking right mm-hmm. like you, you can be good while also maybe breaking down a little bit easier than others like you just got to account for it you don't go and trade anthony davis because he gets hurt all the time you just have to sort of insulate yourself against that possibility and hope that you know things are all right when things really matter in the postseason right mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of reality and i, and I don't think you should be going and trading guys because they get hurt a lot because that's just a you know, one-way track, I think, to, you know, how often has a guy who's been injury-prone 
eventually gone three years without getting hurt, right? Like it happens all the time. It just it's yeah. You know, hopefully the bad and I luck think it, runs out. It's, it's a it has to do with like the the support staff, you know, and the Raptors. Yeah. I think have a good track record um, of of taking like health and medical concerns quite seriously. And their players, if anything, they err on the side of caution, which I am certainly more for. Maybe some fans don't necessarily agree with that. At yeah. the end of the day, you also want it to be driven by the inside of the player to say like i can handle it i feel okay with this i feel like backing off might actually be worse yeah. uh, for my recovery but i think there is that like there are both those channels of communication open within the raptors like uh like front front office and also their coaching and medical staff and honestly like that is not always the case i'd say that is less the case yeah uh, like around the league certainly not the majority uh yet i'd say like you can even see that in LA with the Lakers and, and Anthony Davis. So uh, I don't think OG is like a cautionary tale. I also think the Raptors are in a pretty rare position where they now have such a wealth of talent yeah. uh, to develop that like some of the reason why I think you touched on it earlier, why OG didn't necessarily develop uh, as was projected aside from the him being out and the injuries he played is because so many other guys did develop. Yeah. So it's like you just you didn't have it wasn't just the focus on one guy yeah. this season, right? It was just like, oh shoot, like we we've got our hands full, you know, with with guys we've got to get minutes to. Uh we have to get them like in like better in-game reps, right? And like, yeah, OG got a little bit overshadowed in that. But I also think that OG probably recognizes that that's a great problem for his team to have. Yeah, you sit down at the development table, you slap a bunch of food on it, and uh, like when there's, it's like me trying to eat with my three brothers and sisters growing up. Sometimes <laughs> one person gets left with only one chicken leg to eat, or something like I don't know. It was a bad analogy. Uh, <laughs> but tried. yeah, I really did. I really put the effort in, and I would also argue like. If you looked at it, OG's injury history this year in particular, mm -hmm. it does feel like you know the Raptors themselves are extra cautious and like maybe like if if it was a different front office or a different medical staff, maybe he plays fifty eight games or sixty games because they bring him back like a week earlier from a couple of the things he dealt with. Who's to say? We don't know. We're not in the room. We don't know the medical screening or imaging or whatever's mm -hmm. going on. But it does feel like the Raptors exercise extreme caution with OG. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're doing that as opposed to just being like, all right, get back in there, Tiger, and go nuts. Like, I, I would much rather they ensure that he's healthy. And you just hope that that sort of careful, you know, focus on that carries over and he's able to kind of get back on track for next season. And if not, yeah, you got to have some plans in place if he does get hurt. But they seem to be kind of amassing a pretty good collection of wings who can fill in those minutes if, he, in fact, he is going to miss time. So I'm not too worried about that. In terms of, like, on-court stuff for OG... I think it's honestly, I'd just like to see a bit of like a redistribution of his shots again to sort of just be a rim and threes guy because he's very good at those things. And, you know, the mid-range stuff is nice and there are moments where it's useful to be busted out. But I think we've kind of seen like Pascal is a better mid-range shooter that you'd rather sort of have run the offense through. And if he has to take those shots, that's fine. Fred worked on a mid-range game this season. Gary Trent Jr. is like an incredible bailout mid-range guy. You don't need everybody to have a mid-range game. And I kind of just think OG's future with the Raptors, the best and most sort of idealized version of him is 
He hits catch and shoot threes. He does the odd post up where he's bowling over a dude to dunk. He's cutting and, you know, he's kind of doing the odd straight line drive off of a, off a catch. And, you know, that's kind of a perfect way for him to get to 15 to 18 points a game because he's bloody efficient in those positions. So why not maximize those things and maybe cut out some of the mid-range stuff that saw a slight uptick this season? Not a crazy uptick, but it did uptick and mm-hmm. it didn't have terribly great results. Um any last notes of improvement before OG before we move into the final segment of the show, Katie? Uh, I would say even like his presence probably improved. And I think, and yeah. again, like some of that, I, what I mean by that is, um, I mean, he in post games, my favorite thing about OG is he's just, he's quite specific. So like yeah. when he asks people to repeat questions, it's not, he's not like trolling anybody. He's just yeah. <laughs> wants to make sure he's, ex- he's got it exactly right. What they're asking for. Um, mm-hmm. But I think his his uh, overall confidence, I think the recognition of himself as a leader is something that we also saw a yeah. lot more this season um, and the responsibility fall on his shoulders. I think, you know, we talk a lot about Pascal and Fred taking on that res- responsibility in the absence of Kyle Lowry. But I think we talk less about where it falls on OG and you've seen him be such a mentor to Scotty Barnes. Yeah. You know, on a lot of the other, like the younger guys in that locker room now, uh, and I think he's a fantastic presence and personality for younger guys to kind of shape their on-court and off-court, you know, um, behavior on. Yeah, I, I think that's you know, it was interesting. There were fewer instances of like joke OG answers that got shared around, and way more like quote graphics of like actual substantive things he said and i don't think that's nothing like that is kind of the whole taking the mantle from the kyle larry era and sort of putting it onto those three main pillars Mm -hmm. and kind of stepping into that and i thought og was a bit more personable and sort of open and less trying to just sort of make people look silly with his answers which i still wish we could mix some of that back in because it's super funny uh (laughs) but he certainly was a little bit more open and just sort of long-winded i would argue uh speaking of long-winded we're at like 29 minutes on today's podcast so we're gonna take a quick break come back to the other side take into our stat of the year play of the year and outlook for 2022-23 for OG and Anobi, and that's coming up in a sec. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.net who continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports info. And you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development. You get injury updates, everything you might need on the basketball playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs, fights, everything that there might be. You can you get the NFL futures already. You can put money down. That's not even for like six months, and you can still get in on that action. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue and round out your first listen of the day here with Katie Heindel talking all about OG and Anobi. Let's dig in now to the stat of the year, Katie. We have not revealed to each other what our stats of the year for OG are. What do you got for your OG and Anobi stat of the year? I will give you the floor. I have to go first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can go first if you need if you need me to vamp for a bit before you uh, jump no, in. No, <laughs> I have the stats here. I'm just trying to 
kind of narrow mine down. You do okay. yours. Sure. Mine is pretty simple. It's 31 and 17, which is the Raptors record with OG Ananobi. They were 17 and 17 without him. He's very helpful to winning basketball. He was great in the playoffs. He is just the kind of guy you want around if you're going to win games. It kind of goes to my point off the top that not everybody can be the star player who drives the offense every possession. But as it turns out, it's a five-person game, whatever you're playing it. And uh, you need all of those guys to be pulling the right levers and cogs. And I would say that OG did that extremely well this season as a wonderful complimentary piece. You know, also, you got to factor in at the start of the season, he was asked to do a lot offensively before Pascal Siakam came back. They went on a five-game winning streak during that early mm -hmm. part of the season with OG kind of being their lead offensive horse uh, alongside Fred. So, uh, yeah, 31-17. and 17. Kind of tells the whole story. OG Ananobi, good basketball player. Katie, what do you got for your stat of the year? Um, I guess mine is a little bit boring, but it's kind of to 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 cap off what I've been saying all along, which is his minutes. His minutes yeah. per game went up. I think he's yeah. at thirty six. And yeah, honestly, that did surprise me a little bit because when we talk about um, health, right, we we don't necessarily talk about conditioning, and I feel like yeah. that's a quality over quantity thing with mm -hmm. him. Is if he, yeah, he didn't play as many games as certainly we wanted him to play. And I'm sure he wanted to play, but he played a lot when he was yeah. playing. He played a lot. And like, I'd say that was like across the board for Pascal, Fred and OG. So that makes me feel good on the conditioning front because it means sure. that like he's healthy enough to play those minutes. And it also is a bit of like a, we talk about win share, but I feel like it's like a responsibility share mm -hmm. that bodes pretty well uh, for next season. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's always, he can handle it. You never heard him complain. I mean, you never heard anybody complain about the minutes, but I don't yeah. even think like Fred was asked about his minutes a lot. I don't yeah. think anyone ever even asked OG about it. If Fred's joints could talk, I'm sure they would be like, please let us sit for yes. five extra minutes. Yeah. But he would never say that. <laughs> I don't know why that's what Fred's joints sound like, but here we are. Uh, that's a good stat of the year, Katie. And I agree. Like, you know, the... the this was the point that Masai made, and maybe they changed this as their ambitions get higher and higher as we go forward here, but this was not a team that was expected to make a deep playoff run, mm -hmm. and why not give them the minutes when you have the opportunity to play the games? Like, what are you saving them for if mm -hmm. you know you're not really, you know, maybe the sort of ceiling is you get through one round, that's great. Um, but like, if you're not going on a four round playoff run where you need everybody at full peak health, if you can, why not see what they can do over long stretches of minutes in the regular season? Cause eventually they're going to have to play those minutes and kind of getting them steeled for it. Uh, you know, maybe it comes with extra injury risk or whatever, but you know, Pascal was just fine leading the league in minutes, literally. And so we're mm -hmm. in minutes per game, you know, it, it, I think it was a, a valuable thing that the Raptors did kind of extending their main guys just to make sure they got run. And it was extra valuable for OG who of course missed 34 games. Uh, let's go to our play of the year. Uh, do you want me to go first for this one, Katie? Or do you have one queued up? Sure, you can go. Okay. Mine is a, a pair of back-to-back -back plays okay. at the end of a game, February 4th against the Atlanta Hawks in Toronto. Uh, crunch time, the Raptors were up at like six or eight, so it wasn't that close, but OG gets switched on to Trey Young for two possessions. The first one, he blocks the shit out of a Trey Young pull-up three. Very, very satisfying stuff to watch. And then the like two trips later, he gets ISO back onto Trey Young. Trey tries to drive by him. OG blocks the hell out of him at the rim. 
and kind of speaks to me to like what the ultimate utility of OG is on the defensive end, which is he can just guard whoever the best guy is on the other team, and he's going to give you a fighting chance to shut that dude down. He makes it so you don't have to play a super hyper-aggressive doubling defense, and he mm-hmm. can just be like, all right, I'm OG Ananobi. I'm long and strong enough that I am my own double team on these guys almost, and uh, he's fantastic. He really is just an unbelievable defender, and uh, the fact that he was sort of their one answer to very fast guards this season I think is bloody impressive considering it's a team loaded with other guys who in theory should stay in front of fast guards but could not with the same acumen that OG Ananobi did so those two blocks against Trey Young in crunch time are my pick for his play of the year what is yours Katie was that was one of those like the kind of a chase down block and he swatted it out of bounds uh yeah it was it was was like in the half court but trey did get a step on him and he kind of recovered positionally and uh it blocked his ass it was uh then quite beautiful one of mine was in a hawks game but it maybe i don't know if it was the same game or not but it was og with like a chase down block right um, like right under the basket and the ball just like went flying um true to form i guess i don't have a specific play but there's a couple of these ones but it's when og uh gets a turnover we'll like steal we'll steal the ball usually like poke it away and then just have like the full open half court yeah just go kind of careening down it alone and dunk the ball yeah always very gracefully i never get sick of those yeah there's nothing very hurried about it also Mm -hmm. i find that um the team everyone just leaves him alone yeah no one goes chasing (laughs) after him because it's all it's just done you know like we know that's going in yeah exactly yeah. Sneaky good thing he is good at is uh, like finishing through contact in transition. Yes. Like when someone does try to chase him down, he'll like, you know, contort his body or just like move him out of the way with his giant broad shoulders or whatever. He's very good at finishing kind of the anti Gary Trent Jr. In that regard. He's stealthy, uh, <laughs> slippery, uh, considering. Yeah. Yeah. His size. Yes. Uh, with that, let's get quickly to the outlook for 2022-23, Katie. Do you have any great ambitions for what we want to see from OG next season? Anything in terms of like a stat line you want to project, awards you want to project onto him? Like, what are you at in terms of your expectations for OG next season? I would love to see OG go to All-Star just because it would kind of complete that trifecta of like Pascal Fred did it. I want mm-hmm. OG to have that experience. Um, but um, more than anything, I, I want him to have a full season. Yeah, yeah. That's really it, right? Like if he plays yes. the full season, the other stuff might take care of itself, including the thing that I re- really would like to see next year, which is just like a fully unleashed all defense caliber season from OG. Like maybe he doesn't win defensive player of the year, but I think like if we can get to the end of next season and it's pretty obvious that like, okay, OG is the best defender on this team. Mm -hmm. It frees up Siakam Barnes and Fred to maybe sort of focus a little bit more on stirring the drink on offense. Like if you can kind of encapsulate OG as like, okay, he is like the figure probably alongside Precious, who was also just an absolute monster on that end. But um, like if you can get OG kind of actually fulfilling the all defense potential that we've seen, he probably should have made it one of the seasons 2019-20 kind of comes to mind when that team was the number two defense in the league and had no all defense players i thought og and gasol were kind of the two best guys for that um but yeah i I think it'd be uh really really swell to see og kind of fulfill his all defense potential because he's definitely got it and uh you know it would be cool if he could sort of uh make good on all of that sort of hope and dreaming that's been going on for many many years ever since like his first season when he guarded james harden in his first ever start and shut his ass down uh (laughs) <laughs> so with that, 
That, that also kind of repeated itself a little bit in the playoff series, which was quite fun. Anyway, we're going to round it out there. Katie, thanks so much for hanging out and talking OG, who's a fascinating player to talk about. Maybe not the sexiest player on the team after this season. Everyone's all in on Scotty and Pascal and everything like that, but still an extremely important cog in what the Raptors want to do. Katie, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Stop calling guys cogs. <laughs> for, 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 for starters. Uh and yeah, I'm writing, this is a, always, I always forget how long it takes, but nevertheless, I've started. Um, I'm writing an exits series again at Basketball Feelings. So I'm writing basically a recap of every season, of every team uh, this season as they get eliminated from the playoffs. It's a tall yes. order. <laughs> Yes. I'm dead. I'm doing it. You shared the Atlanta Hawks one a lot of times yesterday, which is great. Share you your stuff do more, it. Katie. I don't know. That's like, my thing. I'm always you telling you to share. share your stuff more often. Promote yourself more. Share basketball feelings with the world. You're finally doing it. My hype man work has been achieved. I'm very happy. People sometimes only click like the <laughs> third time you share it, which is... Not everybody's on Twitter all the time. Not everybody's yeah. me. I'm, I'm seeing it every single time. But yeah. most people are healthy in their brains and not on there all the damn time. So... Uh, yeah, good uh, social media posting etiquette and uh, tips right there. From Katie Heindel, uh, you get the whole package. Anyway, we're going to wrap <laughs> it there. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your shows on the audio feeds or on YouTube. It's also free over there, and it's much appreciated when you support the show in video form. Uh, big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. As always, go make your second listen of the day locked on Leafs as our boys Mike and Dave over there are teeing up Game 5 tonight in Toronto. Leafs lightning i already want to puke thinking about it uh go listen to the podcast they do a wonderful job they've been killing it over there on locked on leafs they also have a youtube channel if you want to go check out that so go and do that and uh with that we will round up the show we'll talk to you again tomorrow as Krina mustafa stopping by we're going to talk about fred van vliet and his all-star season that uh kind of was derailed by some creaky ass knees down the stretch we'll get to that dig into the good the bad the you know stat play of the year all that good stuff with Krina on tomorrow's episode of locked on raptors Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.